and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Today's guest author is Cindy McMenamin. She wrote the book, When Women Walk Alone. Cindy says that more and more women are finding themselves alone in their Christian walk because of life circumstances, a lack of support from people in her home, work, or church, being left out of the things she used to be included in, being misunderstood and unable to explain. In her new book, Cindy offers personal encouragement and practical biblical steps for gaining strength in times of isolation and becoming resilient to but not resentful toward the issue of loneliness. Sandy talks with Cindy today about her new book, When Women Walk Alone, Finding Strength and Hope Through the Seasons of Life. Let's listen. Hi, Cindy. Hi there. He says we're good. Okay. We're going to discuss your wonderful book, When Women Walk Alone, Finding Strength and Hope Through the Seasons of Life by Cindy McMenamin. And could you tell us why you wrote this book? Well, Sandy, as I minister to women across the country through speaking and as I've discipled women, I have found that women feel an aloneness and they can be single or married or divorced or widowed. You can still be married and feel alone. And I began to realize that even as a pastor's wife, um, there are many areas in which I feel alone as well. And so I started uh, talking with women about the alone times in their life and found that they were so prevalent and there's so many areas in which we feel alone. But I began to learn from experience as well as talking with other women that during those alone times in our life, we have a unique opportunity to discover a deeper intimacy with God. And as I discovered that in my own life and began to share that with women, I found it really resonated with them. So the book just kind of flowed out of what I've seen and what I've lived and experienced. So when we experience pain in our aloneness, which often there is, there can be a reason for it. And as you said, so often it's that place where we really become closer to God than ever before, right? That's true, because when we're happy and life is good and everything's wonderful, we don't tend to really need God. Of course, we need Him, but we don't. Right. We're not aware that we do. Yes. Um, we seem to think, "Oh, I'm fine by myself." And wow, through heartache, uh, through physical pain or emotional pain, through what I call those deserts in life, when we yes. feel alone or empty or useless, it's then that we really cling to God and we can get yes. to know Him so much more. Right. You give us wonderful examples, both personally and 
biblically of women who have walked alone. Could you tell our listeners the story about Angelique just briefly? Yes, Angelique is a woman that I met at a women's retreat. Um, She came up to me and there were two women on either side of her and they said, Cindy, we want you to meet Angelique. And I said, hi, it's nice to meet you. And um, she said, I I need to tell you my story. And I said, please, tell me your story. And Uh she said, I'm a single mom. She said, I have a little girl and I was in my apartment one evening and I felt hopeless. I felt that there was no reason for me to go on. I felt that my child would be better off without me. And she said, I was about to take my life when there was a a knock on the door. And she says it was these two women, the two women standing on either side of her. She said, they came to my door and they said, Angelique, we're going through a Bible study on this book right now, When Women Walk Alone, and we just wanted to give it to you because we we thought it might mean something to you. It might really encourage you right now. And, And if you'd like, we'd love for you to join us next week. Well, they left. And she sat down on her bed and she opened up the book and she began to read. And she said, Cindy, for the first time, I realized, she said, it never occurred to me that there might actually be a reason for the pain that I've gone through. And she says, I got down on my knees and in tears, I gave my life to the Lord. Would you tell us about Hagar and her encounter with God? Yes, I love that story of Hagar in Genesis, where um, Hagar, of course, the um, Egyptian maid of Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and of course, God promised, you know, Abraham that he would have a child, and he thought it would be with Sarah, and when it took too long, because in God's timing, it took 25 years for that to happen, well... Hagar ends up pregnant through a plan by Abraham and Sarah to get a baby. But when uh, Sarah began to treat Hagar harshly because Hagar was pregnant and Hagar resented Sarah over the whole thing, um, we read in scripture that Hagar ran to the desert. She ran away from home and ran out to the desert. And she was single and pregnant and a runaway slave. And she probably felt that there was no hope for her at all. And yet... As she's out there in the desert and she's preparing to die because there's no hope for a single pregnant runaway slave, she hears a voice call out to her that says, Hagar, mistress of Sarah, where are you going? And I love that because God called her by name and he uh, told her to go back to Sarah because he knew all that she was going through, but she was also pregnant with a child that would be a son. His name would be called Ishmael, which means God hears. And he was basically telling her, I have a plan for you too, Hagar. You don't see it right now, but I have a plan for you and your son. And you know, her response to that was, you are El Roy, the God who sees me. And I'm so encouraged that in that story, even though she ran out to the desert, because she felt she had no hope there at home, she was willing to go back because the God who sees saw her and he understood her. You know, if Abraham had been real loving and a support to Hagar, she would have missed her encounter in the desert with the God who sees. And that gives me encouragement that when we're feeling alone and we're in that desert of sorts, 
that the God who sees sees us too and he understands and he can be our comfort when we feel alone. Right. And the word says, be still and know that I am your God, right? So Uh sometimes we have to do that in the desert. Just stay still, right? In your book, so yeah, yeah, not run away, right? But at least she stayed still for a while for God's encounter (laughs) in the desert anyway. In your book. That's true because we get so busy and then we don't really hear God in the busyness. We don't sit down to really listen for him and to experience his presence and his comfort. And like Hagar, we sometimes run away, or run away Mm -hmm. first, yes. In your book, you talk about Leah. Would you share Mm -hmm. that with our listeners, please, about her experience? Yes. Leah was the unloved wife of Jacob. Jacob had two wives, Leah and her sister, Rachel. And he loved Rachel, but he had to marry Leah through an arrangement with Rachel and Leah's father. But Leah clearly was unloved. And scripture says God saw that Leah was unloved. And so he opened her womb and allowed her to conceive a child. And there began to be this animosity between Rachel and Leah because Leah could have children and Rachel couldn't. And Leah kept thinking each time she has a child, now maybe my husband will love me. And her husband still favored Rachel. And Leah, I imagine, was feeling so very alone in her marriage, um, not having that emotional connection with her husband, not feeling loved at all. And, you know, she had a child, and then she had another child, and again, each time she had a child, she said, well, maybe this time my husband will love me. And then when she had her fourth child, her fourth son, she named him Judah, and she said, not maybe now my husband will love me, but she said, this time... I will praise the Lord. And when I look at that story, I think, you know, maybe by that time, Leah realized that the love from her husband was out of reach. So instead of continuing to long for that, maybe she just decided to finally be content in that love that her spiritual husband, God, had for her. And I'm encouraged through that story because, you know, it was Judah, her son Judah, whom she praised God for at birth that became the ancestral line of Jesus, the Messiah. And I wonder if that was God's way of just honoring her for looking to him above anybody else for her contentment. We can all feel alone in marriage, and we have to realize that our, our earthly husbands can never satisfy. We still have to look first and foremost to the Lord God. And the Lord was her spiritual husband. Right. Oh, yeah. Would you remind us of what advice the Lord gave the Samaritan woman? The Samaritan woman, oh yes, another woman who was out there in the in the desert right. <laughs> and alone when she met him. And this woman had had many, many, uh, actually five other husbands. Uh, she was living with a man who was maybe the sixth man in her life. When he met but her Jesus the world, was, yeah. Jesus, uh, I guess, represented number seven in her life. Uh-huh. She met him at the well there, and she must have been just feeling dry and empty. Uh-huh. And um, Jesus had told her, people who go where you're going <laughs> uh, to find their satisfaction will never be filled, but I give uh, that eternal life 
that springs right. up. Um, I think Jesus was in a sense saying, I'm the well that will never run dry. I am the living water, right. He yes. offered her new life, right. He offered her new life in him. Yes. What are some ways that we become alone? I think we can feel... be strengthened. Okay. Well, I think that we can feel um, alone at heart. Um, Alone maybe because we don't have a a love in our life per se. I, I mentioned earlier we can feel alone in our marriage. I think we can feel alone in parenting. Um, especially yes. uh, maybe a first-time parent or if we have many children and we just feel like we're being um, run in a million different directions and sometimes we under- we think, does anybody understand what it's like um, to be a mom and to give so much of ourselves to our children? We can feel alone in our pain. Uh, maybe it's some um, emotional pain something in our past or something we're struggling with that we don't feel we can talk about with anybody else. Or maybe our husband is struggling with something that we don't feel we can share with anybody else. And then we can feel alone in that pain. As women, we can also feel alone in our spiritual life. Um, That was another one of the catalysts for me writing this book was that I talked to so many women who feel spiritually alone because they are either married to an unsaved husband or they don't feel like they're on the same page spiritually um, with their husband or with anyone else. And um, we can also feel maybe alone in worship. Um, Women who go to church by themselves because their husbands aren't interested in being there. Or I'm a pastor's wife, and I have often felt alone in worship. Pastor's wives often sit alone, and nobody wants to sit with them because they don't want to sit in the front row. And so... I can relate to that kind of feeling alone in worship or we can feel alone as we're going through some trials that we think maybe no one understands or feeling alone as we're pursuing a dream and we feel it'll never happen. And one of the, uh, there are a few things that I suggest for women who feel alone in every chapter of my book. I've got some practical steps they can take. But one of the, one of the ones that, that, that I always say, first of all, is just that communicating with God daily, telling Him first everything that's on our hearts. Right. We tend to run to people in our lives, and we don't always have that person's full attention. Yes. Um, but, you know, God is always there, and His ear is always there for us. Yes. He's not going to judge us what we say to Him. Um, he's not going to say, I'm sorry, I'm on another line, can I call you back? Um, God's ear is always there, and when we go to Him first, We're reaffirming to him and to ourselves that he's the single most important one in our lives. And God already knows what we're going to say before we say it. That's true. But we are strengthening the relationship. And like I said, reaffirming to him that he's our best friend. He's our spiritual husband. He's the one we want to be closest to. I also encourage women to um, just commit to that closer relationship with him. Um, we can also not feel so alone when we gather other women around us who might also feel alone and we enjoy that community or that fellowship with our sisters in Christ. As we can, as we share the areas in which we feel alone, we find out we're not really alone. There are so many women who deal with many of the same things that we do. That's right. It's 
You say, and you say in your book, and it's been said, the true test of a woman's strength is what? Mm-hmm. How strong she is when she's alone. That's right. How she walks alone. Yes. I, I know so many women who say, I have to have the TV on all the day, be, all day long because I need the background noise, or um, I can't stand to be... Uh, in a place where it's quiet or I need people around me and I always feel so sadly when I hear that because I think there is uh, there are precious lessons we can learn in the quiet and when we're alone um, there are certain points in my life when I felt initially very alone um, when my daughter was having a bone marrow test at 18 months old and they moved up the, the test a day so my husband couldn't even get to the hospital in time to be there with me while they took her into that room for the test. My support system and the women that were going to pray for me right there in the hospital didn't know about it because the doctor said, we're going to do that test right now. (laughs) And as I sat there on the other side of the door, I remember thinking, Lord, I'm not alone. You're here. And your presence is stronger now than it ever has been. And when I look back at that time, I thought the timing of that test didn't take God by surprise. He wanted me alone so that just he and I could enjoy that sweet fellowship and I could receive comfort from him because there was nobody else around. And our first choice is always to have somebody, some flesh and blood to us. But God often says, you know what? I want to be the one. I want to be the one that you have a special memory of that moment because you knew I was there and you sensed my presence in a way that you never could before. Wonderful thought and wonderful truth. Would you share Julia's story with our listeners and how she became stronger? Yes, Julia is a pastor's wife um, that I met who was, uh, at the time that I met her, um, she uh, was the director of uh, a large ministry at her church, and she just... uh, just radiated with the love of God. And when I told her I was going to be writing a book on aloneness, she said, oh, I can tell you about aloneness in my life. And I thought, really, Julia? Because you just, you know, you're so bright and you're so happy and you have people around you. I can't imagine you ever felt alone. But, you know, as a very, very young um, pastor's wife, she was married to a man who traveled often. And she had young children, and she lived in a place where sometimes there was snow on the ground for months, and she couldn't go out of her house. And she began to feel physically alone and uh, began to just absorb herself in watching television soap operas and uh, feeling herself just sink into depression. And she realized one day that it, it wasn't going to get any better that um, she had to just she had to just rely on God, and as she got into His Word and began to get to know Him better and realize that He was there for her and discovered those wonderful things about how He wants to be her spiritual husband, it, it literally transformed her life. And as she became a woman of the Word, she became a woman who had an incredible amount of strength. Who was then um, just a few short years later able to be just this extremely independent woman, fully dependent on God, but not clingy dependent on her husband as she was before. And as she began to look to God to be her spiritual husband, she saw how it improved her marriage 
so much more because she wasn't such a such an emotional drain on her husband. Right, and you and, say that um, she really got into a lot of spiritual disciplines like fasting yes. and meditating and reading the yes, word and, and praying, right? And as you say, communicating yes. daily with God, right? And, right, so it wasn't just, I'm going to read a psalm and a proverb right. or read a book, yes. She, she went to those deeper levels. Again, she was alone, and she had the time, and she really began to, um, you know, look at what, what do I need to do to really know God, for her soul to, to hunger for Him, and through practicing those spiritual disciplines. And today, um, she teaches classes on those spiritual disciplines to help other women um, break through those certain barriers, uh, barriers like depression and, and different bondage like that, that come through the prayer and the fasting, and meditating on God's Word, and the practice of silence, and all of those things that seem so foreign to us today. Uh-huh. Just give us a quick rendition of Patricia's story, would you? Because I feel that some of our listeners might really identify with her. Um, Patricia um, was a woman who was, uh, when I met her, she had... Um, <coughs> A booming career in high-rise office real estate, uh, lots of money. She had uh, traveled the world. She was able to speak several different languages, uh, married to a professional athlete, had lots of diverse hobbies that many of us don't experience, like skydiving and rock climbing. Um, but, you know, even with her love and her money and her job and fulfillment, she felt really alone. Um, she was the primary bread maker in her home and she didn't have children and she felt that she didn't fit into the circles of women in her church and her neighborhood um, because she wasn't the typical um, stay-at mom or even uh, working mom um, she kind of felt herself out there and alone and she said she would have loved to have quit her job and have children and be like all the other women um, but her husband wasn't able financially they weren't in a situation where she could um, quit her job and stay home and dedicate her life to, to having a child. And she kind of felt like nobody really understood that. And sometimes we can feel that way if we feel like we're a little bit different than everybody else or we don't blend in and we don't have that support network in our church or in our family in our neighborhood. Uh-huh. What do you think the Lord teaches us in this alone time that you talk about? Well, I often say that our alone times are doorways to discovering a deeper intimacy with God. And I believe that when we are alone, we can, um, first of all, we can learn to rely on Him in a way that we never had before. Um, when you're in a place where you have to depend on God, right. um, it's easier to learn that lesson because you've got nobody else. We also, we discover who we really are. As we discover who God is, we discover who we are in His eyes. Um, we discover that we're His beloved. We discover that um, what He did um, to secure um, our ransom, what He did so that we could live with Him eternally, we discover that we're not just out here at random. We also discover when we're alone who our real friends are. I think when we go through difficult situations, there are those people that will stick by us, that will pray for us, that will tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. And those things happen when we go through 
those alone times. Um, God can also teach us how to just get quiet and listen for him. I can tend to be a woman who just runs ahead, makes my own decisions, doesn't really stop and pray about things. But God has done certain things in my life to slow me down, to get me to wait. Um, sometimes it's just something like maybe an injury or an illness that has you in bed and quiet for a while or a crashed computer that won't work at all or, or something like that in which we have to get quiet and then just say, okay, God, what do you want to teach me during this quietness, during this stillness, during this time when I feel frustrated or alone? I think God uh, also just teaches us a new level of peace uh, during our alone times and as well as the confidence um, as he brings us through certain things then we realize how much how much we really can go through with him at our side strengthening us you mentioned about writing a song of praise that describes what God is and what he's done for you and um that can be a part of worship, right? When we're alone. Or take oh, yes. a worship walk and just praise God for everything we see and feel and experience. Or make a list of I, you names know, by which you call God, right? Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I love doing that. Even sometimes if I'm stressed and busy and there's a lot on my mind... Um, I walk to this, this you know, man-made lake in our neighborhood, but it gives me some time to just walk and talk with him as I walk. And not just talk to him and tell him my to-do list and all the things I'm concerned about, but to begin to praise him. Sometimes praising him through the ABCs. God, uh, you are um, all-knowing, and I thank you for that. God, you are beautiful in in every way. God, you are so caring and comforting to me when I need it. Um, God, you are what I desire more than any other thing. And as I, I do that praise walk, praising him, um, it just gives me a different perspective. Um, when we worship God, when we praise him, I tend to believe we can sense his presence even more. And I think that, you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we're complaining or we're thinking about ourselves, we might feel far from God. But as we begin to praise and worship, it's like he's right there in the room with us. Yes. And he sends his presence so much more. Yes. Cindy, I have to leave you now, but could you tell us where our listeners could get your book, your website, and other resources? Sure. When Women Walk Alone is the name of the book, and it's available pretty much anywhere you buy books. You can also get it on my website. I have very competitive prices on my website, and I believe it's on sale right now. My website is strengthforthesoul.com, strengthforthesoul.com. Um, or you can walk into your local Christian bookstore and ask for When Women Walk Alone. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Cindy. And I look forward to hearing from you and talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Okay, Cindy, okay. God bless you. All right. Okay, bye. bye-bye. We pray for marriages in crisis. If you want prayer for your marriage, send your prayer request to lovesavers1 at aol.com. That's lovesavers1 at aol.com. And remember, love never fails. Walk on. 
Oh